0: Welcome to Back Porch Bible Studies, where friends come and talk about what the Bible says about our God. My name is Deborah Geisels, and I'll be your host on this weekly podcast. You know, it's been said that the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. So here, we'll study to know our God, and to know Him is to love Him. So. Grab a drink and settle in for an afternoon of catching up and talking about Our Great God. Welcome, friend, to My Back Porch. As we continue to work our way through the study of this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, we will not only be encouraged in difficult times, but we will be encouraged to live our lives in the fullness of serving Our Great God. So let's open up to Ephesians 3, 13 through 21, and I'd like to just read this whole section so we have it in our mind before we get started, okay? So Paul's writing, and if you remember, we just got done with the purpose of the mystery and how he wanted to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God that it might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And so he comes around, he says, therefore. So the therefore is there for us to see what came before it. And it was the revelation of the mystery of redemption. And the purpose of the revelation of the mystery of redemption was that the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed. And that manifold wisdom, if you remember, was not just for us as Gentiles and Jews to understand that God had this whole strategic plan for redeeming all of humanity but he wanted those in the heavenly sphere to know it the the celestial beings the faithful angels and the fallen angels he wanted all that he had created to know his plan of redemption why to demonstrate his grace to demonstrate his mercy and love for his people so That's what the therefore is there for in verse 13. Now we can read. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We'll start in verse 13. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation on your behalf for they are your glory. Okay. Paul's in prison when he writes this letter, right? And so he's like, don't, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. And so a little bit of background on Paul is that his whole life passion was to bring salvation to his own people. Remember in uh, Romans 9, 13, he says, I would that I wish that I could be accursed so that my brethren might know Christ. Now, he was expressing his compassion for his Jewish brothers and sisters, that they would know Christ. That's a deep passion. I mean, for a guy that has met Jesus face to face and has had... The experiences that he has to know the Torah the way he does and to know the mystery of the redemption, for him to know all that and still be able to say, I, I'd be accursed if it meant for all my fellow Jews to be saved. That's, that's a strong, I mean, that's a mama for her baby kind of love, right? Say, Paul was saying here that I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. He's good with it. He's good with his tribulations, with his imprisonment. On a strategic visit to Israel, Paul preached either on the Temple Mount or near it, and he was preaching to this crowd of Jews, and he was speaking in Hebrew. So they were like, oh, let's listen to this guy. You can read about this in Acts 21, um, the last couple of verses, all the way through Acts 22, if you want to look that up. But he's, he's teaching up there on the, on the Temple Mount and he's speaking in Hebrew. So who is he speaking to? Jews. To Jews, yeah. And they're listening intently until he gets to the part where salvation is now offered to the Gentiles. A riot breaks out and it ends Paul up in chains. He's been captured now by the Romans because... They didn't want any riots, and this is a religious riot, so shut it down. So in order to do that, they, they locked Paul up. They were going to put him in prison, but Paul says, uh, Wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. Well, because of this riot of preaching to the Jews, he ends up in house arrest in Caesar's palace. And that's where he's writing this letter. So you can see that Paul hasn't given up his passion. He is preaching to the Jews. Now he's in the house of Caesar and he's preaching to the Gentiles in the house of Caesar. So what can we learn from Paul's attitude here? Push on. Push on. I like that. Yeah. I think it's important for us to understand that when we know what God has called us to do, we do it regardless of the consequences, regardless of the comfort, regardless of the opinions of others. Paul's like, do not lose heart. I, I'm good with this. This is what I was called to do. And, and my mission hasn't been thwarted by it, it's just redirected. A lot of times when God calls us to do something, it's not uncommon for us to have an imagination about what that's gonna look like. Joanne, when you started the Pregnancy Crisis Center, you probably had a plan. Is it now what you envisioned then? No. (laughs) No. Hope Rising has become a multi-facility. It has reached women and men in ways I bet you never even imagined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And each step of the way, God has opened another path where you may have been going north, and he says, let's take that a little northeast right? We have that in every calling that God has for us. We can march forward. Abraham, when God called Abraham, he said, go, I'll tell you where, when you get there. You know, that's the mentality we have to have, the mentality of Abraham. I'll tell you where to go when you get there. There's a good movie we just saw yesterday. It's called um, His Only Son. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I saw the trailer it's really good yeah with Abraham taking Isaac to yeah. the sacrifice yeah. we did see it what about this made that because Abraham followed God's yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, even to the point of sacrificing his son yeah he's all in all in all in Body, oh, for God. Blood, yeah everything yeah so when when Paul's speaking he's he's like hey Don't worry about, don't lose heart, don't be discouraged because I'm not there with you. Don't be discouraged because of this or that. This is God's calling on my life and I'm walking in it. I'm moving forward. And I think, I think Paul didn't just do it for the gospel to go forward, but he did it out of his love relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I think even if the gospel didn't go forward, I mean, that was secondary. But because of his relationship with Jesus, he did whatever Jesus asked him for whatever reason it was that Jesus asked him because he had that kind of a relationship with him. I think sometimes we get caught up in the do good instead of the person we're doing it for, the motive of who we're doing it for. And Paul didn't do it for the Jews and the Gentiles. He didn't do it to become famous across the continent. He did it for Jesus. So Paul says, "Do not lose heart." That word "lose heart" in the Greek is ekakeo, E-K-K-A-K-E-O. Ekakeo. One more K, please. <laughs> but here's what it means. And get this into mind, because don't lose heart. What do you think of what it means when you hear "don't lose heart"? Have hope. Have hope. Don't don't be disappointed. Right. This goes a little bit deeper, this ekakeo word. It means to grow weary, to become discouraged, to be faint-hearted. It also carries another idea. It means to turn cowardly and to give in to the influence of the evil that are around you. As I was thinking about the roots of discouragement or the, the losing heart, he says, don't grow weary and don't be discouraged. There were there were four that came to mind. I'm sure there are a lot more reasons that we become discouraged, but these four came to mind. The first one is a low view of our salvation. Yeah. You know, if we don't understand, and, and I think there's a lot of believers out there that come to faith, they got their ticket out of hell, mm-hmm. but they have no idea what they have in Christ. You know, we just went through chapters 1, 2, and 3, where Paul is showing the unfathomable riches of God's salvation. He gave us adoption, the redemption through Jesus' blood, and inheritance of all the spiritual blessings. We have access to the Almighty God. When we consider our salvation in small terms, that I just got my ticket out of hell, and now I get to go to heaven, we miss the consequences of our sin on Jesus. We miss the freedoms we have in Christ. We miss all of that when we keep a small view, a low view of our salvation. So one of, one of the roots of discouragement is a low view. To know that you are chosen, for example, is a pretty high view. Today, so many people struggle with their self-worth from eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds still struggling with self-worth. If you were chosen by God, what does that do for your perspective of self-worth? That we get in our salvation. Not reviewing the the riches that we get in our salvation can cause us to be discouraged, to lose heart, and, and more importantly, to turn cowardly and to give in to the temptations of evil around us. All right, second one, unmet expectations can discourage us when we and, and, and I think we all do this we have a plan and this is how it should be I remember when my daughter was just turning 16 it was it was in June and a friend of ours who was her missionaries in Berlin Germany came to visit and said that she really believed that God was inviting Megan to go back to Germany with her she was a junior in high school and I thought, uh, no no this is her junior year she'll have prom all these things right and my friend from Berlin said I didn't sleep a wink last night I really think God's asking asking you to let her come to Berlin I'm like oh I, oh she's my firstborn and I remember thinking god this wasn't in the contract we didn't agree I got I got my kids till they graduate from high school. That was that was in the contract, wasn't it? (laughs) And, And I remember having this conversation with God that no, that was in your plan. That wasn't my plan. My plan is for your oldest to go to Germany and to be a nanny and a missionary in Germany, her junior year of high school. Okay. Unmet expectations. What did I miss? All my plans. Home I com- missed the, the, miss the roadmap. Yes, no trip tick for me. <laughs> but, but things can take a turn in our lives. Things that I, when I get to be at a certain place in my life, I will be this, or I will have that, or I will do. And we get there, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't develop the way it was supposed to. And those unmet expectations can so discourage us, we'll lose heart. And when we lose heart, we become susceptible. We become vulnerable to the influences of evil that are around us. Discouragement will always do that. We become susceptible. There's a verse in Psalm 62, 5 and 6. I love this verse. When God was teaching me about, you know, letting Megan go and expectations. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. When my expectations are in God, the creator of the universe, the Saver of my soul, the rescue of heaven, my, my only, then whatever he does is what I expect. I know that through the word, I can know who God is. I can know his love and I can know his justice. I can know his mercy and I can know his grace. And because he's never changing, I can put all my expectations in him so that when those things come about, either trials or tribulations or unmet dreams, expectations, I can go, but God, but God, I'm okay because you're in control. And I can surrender to the sovereignty of him, that he is in control of everything and that all that he does is for my good and his glory. If I can rest in that place where he is all that, he is my expectation, I won't be discouraged when there's a quick turn in the road or a slow turn in the road or an uphill climb. I'm like, okay, God, we're in it. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't Don't lose heart because of my tribulation. Why? Because all of Paul's expectations were in God. The third one is... A misdirected motive can discourage us. If we are doing it for the wrong reasons, the results will be wrong. If Paul's motive was to march from this city to the next city to the next city and turn every Gentile to a believer and to have every Jew understand the mystery, Paul would have been mighty disappointed. And he would have been discouraged, and he would have surrendered. But his motive was wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And so he was going to do whatever God asked him to do, regardless of results. And I have a favorite verse in Habakkuk 3. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18. Habakkuk is saying, Although the fig tree shall not blossom. (laughs) These are unmet expectations here. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Is this man disappointed? <laughs> is he discouraged? But listen to what he says. If all of that is a bust, if everything we've put our hand to is a bust, it's a failure. It doesn't produce a single thing. I can't help but think of poor Noah. 120 years he built that ark preached the gospel and nobody got on the boat just his family got on 120 years how long are you in it with the lord habakkuk says if if nobody gets on the boat if all the labor that i do all the obedience i do all the speaking that i do all the gospel that i share if nobody gets on the boat look what habakkuk says verse 18 yet i will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What's his motive? God, not the the results. I have this little saying that goes with this so that I remember to check my motives and it's obedience regardless of results. Because if my motive is right, I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do regardless of the results because of my love for him. When my motive is right, results don't matter. When my motive is in God alone, the results are his. My job is just to love him. My job is just to obey him. Because he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if I obey him and nothing comes of it, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It's a great motive to do it for him. Because we can't see the big picture. Noah never saw the big picture. In fact, the picture he saw got washed out. Can you imagine 120 years? So I'm going to ask you again. How long are you willing to stay in it if the results aren't what you think they should be? It's a question. It's a question I think we always have to ask ourselves because we are so goal-oriented. You know, if I go through a drive through man, three minutes I should be able to order it and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but God has a bigger picture, and sometimes we get caught up In what we think should be and we get discouraged when it doesn't I think the fourth one that is discouraging or that causes us discouragement is homesickness I think sometimes we get homesick for God I don't think we always recognize it as that I think sometimes we want things to be perfect they were meant to be they were meant to be in the Garden of Eden they were. And I think there is within our heart and within our, we were created by a perfect God perfectly and sin came in. But I do believe that there is within us a longing for that perfectness that God created. He says, be holy as I'm holy. He said, I will return you to the garden. So there has to be some homesickness in us. It gets distorted through the sin of this world. I think we get frustrated when things aren't perfect, when they aren't right. When we look at injustice, when we look at racial conflict, when we look at any of the things that are going on in our world, in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, we get a little homesick. And I think it's okay for us to get a little homesick, but we need to recognize it. As homesickness that we are longing for heaven and that this is not our home and so it's not gonna be perfect here it isn't gonna be perfect until God makes it new Hebrews 13 says for this world is not our home we are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven With Jesus help we will continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by telling others of the glory of his name do not forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need for such sacrifices are very pleasing to him the writer of Hebrews gets this he understands that homesickness this isn't our home but keep on keep doing what you were called to stay in obedience God's got a bigger picture And we are part of this bigger picture. And that alone should excite us that we're even part of that story. That we're like, okay, God, how long can I do this? 120 years? Great. No problem. I have all eternity with you. Can I stay in it with joy? both Habakkuk and the writer of Hebrews talked about that joy being in God. Can I do the trouble? Can I do the tribulation? Can I do the things that are discouraging till Jesus comes back? Because what happens after that? Eternity. So if if Noah, God love that man, for 120 years he preached the gospel with no success. Nobody else got on the boat but his kids. That had to be discouraging. How many generations do you think heard the gospel from Noah? I mean, 120 years. And he's like, I'm in Lord, because I have all eternity with you. That's more than 120 years for those who are counting. That's a long time. This will be a blip. So can you do whatever it is God is calling you to do without discouragement till the day you die? That may be 40 years, that may be 60 years, it may be 80 years. Can you do it for the glory of God without becoming discouraged? Because you know heaven's coming. You know that eternity will be perfect, that there will be those rewards when you get there. Back Porch Bible Studies is a ministry of women in Christian leadership. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast form or go to com to find the many ways Women in Christian Leadership can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Back Porch Bible Studies would like to thank their sponsor, the faith-based business of Millennium Metals, in business to serve Christ.